Owen Marbury was part owner of an IT service business. Now he's locking horns with his ex-partner Devin and fighting for his reputation and his freedom. But when Michaela Stanford, his former college bestie and crush, walks back into his life, he's reminded of the fire that still burns between them. As their 20-year college reunion approaches, they have a chance to rekindle their friendship and explore love once again. But Owen's battle with Devin is getting in the way of pursuing things with Michaela. With Devin breathing down their necks and threatening their lives, Owen must decide whether to give in or fight for his heart's desire. This is the premise of Secret Second Chances, a friends to lovers second chance romance available on Amazon on March 5th. Pick up your copy today. This is the Nerdy Romantics Podcast, and I'm your host, Y.M. Nelson. Romantics. Today we are talking the Netflix show You, and it is based on the series You by Caroline Kepnes. Um, I believe that's how you say her last name. We will have all that information on the show notes. This is going to be a show discussion slash review kind of chat. So there will be spoilers in this. So if you have not seen seasons one, two, and three of you, then I suggest you go see those. Stop this recording. Go see those seasons and then come back and join us for the discussion. Okay, so before we get into talking about Netflix's series, You, As we always do with these discussions, we're going to talk about what we're reading. And usually I don't actually participate in that. But today I am going to participate in that because I'm reading some really cool stuff. And I just happened to watch something that happened to go along with what I was reading. I have just watched, and and of course this also has to do with Netflix too, but I've just watched on Netflix this limited series is three episodes and it's called the principles of pleasure i absolutely love love this series it's like it's a documentary kind of thing when i first went into it i wasn't sure what i was watching but then right away i knew exactly what i was watching it's very educational i really recommend it for you know, cisgender women, all women who identify as women. There are all kinds of women on the on the series, um, and they talk about pleasure from the standpoint of women's bodies. They talk about pleasure from the standpoint of our minds and how we get there. They talk about it from the standpoint of relationships. And in a lot of that is a lot of stuff that we really don't talk about 
a lot of times that we should talk about. It's a lot of stuff that maybe a lot of people didn't really know about their own bodies and didn't know about owning their own pleasure and their own happiness. Obviously, as a romance novel writer, I'm I'm attracted to this, right? But I will say I did learn something that actually is going to help me write a scene that I'm working on right now in one of my works in progress. But also, uh, some of the themes that come up actually coincide with what I'm reading right now, which I happen to be reading, spoiler alert, by Olivia Day. Yes, <laughs> I did say spoiler alert before, but this is an actual book called Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade. And Olivia Dade is, I, I think she'd be okay with me calling her plus size. She is plus size woman and she writes romance novels with the heroines being plus size. I started uh, actually reading this for one of our Who Gets an HEA episodes that will be coming up where we'll talk about plus size main characters. And, and while this heroine is one where she's actually owning the fact that she is plus size, there are some outward struggles and stuff that happen to her that she has to deal with. That's kind of on the periphery. It's not major, but it is a it is a big part of it, but it's not a major part of it. But it actually goes back to how we look at our bodies and this particular show, Principles of Pleasure, which is on Netflix, which is also where you, the series is. That's a whole roundabout way of saying, yeah, I'm reading a lot and a lot of it has to do with Netflix in some kind of way. But we also have our guest hosts, Dana, Marcy, Pam, and Stacy on the line. They're also gonna talk about you, but they will also talk about what they are reading right now. So let's start off with, since we have not heard from her in a while, Pam, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me today. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. What are you <laughs> reading right now that you want to tell us about? I had just briefly uh, mentioned a while back, uh, a little while ago, that I met an author here in Atlanta. Her name is Tina Brooks McKinney. And um, I, when I met her, I asked her certain books, uh, a part of the books that she's written that she's really loved or the ones that she's connected to the most. And she mentioned her series called Snap. It's a couple of books in that series, at least so far I've seen. So I, my goal is to go ahead and to get through both of those books, um, especially since I've met her uh, in person. I'd love to just kind of read them and maybe go back and get some feedback from her. And then I can give her some feedback about the book. So that's where I am right now. Oh, that's cool. Um, okay, so let's talk to Stacy next. What are you reading, Stacy? Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for having me there. And what I am reading is continuation. I'm still reading the same book I read before, The Black Phone by Joe Hill. It's actually yes. an anthology. It's not really just one a novel completely. Also, it's different stories. And because they're horror, I, I've only like, okay, let me read a couple of stories and then I stop. <laughs> so it's taking me a little bit longer to read it because I do need a break from that because I've had a couple of nightmares after reading but I still keep going for it so it's a good book then 
<laughs> it's gotta be a good one if it scares you, but you're still going. Yep, but I need a break after a couple. It's like, okay, don't try to see all, uh, read all this, and then watch Candyman on TV, and then think you're gonna be okay for the <laughs> night. I've been trying to just read that, and then read news articles and listen to podcasts after that. So I was, it's gonna make it might take me a while to finish up that book. Yeah, but hey, if it's good, it's good. Um, okay, so Marcy, how's it going? And what are you reading right now? Hello, everybody. It's going well. And actually, I'm reading a short story right now. And it's the short story by Margaret Atwood, who is the author of Handmaid's Tale. And she has um, one that came out in May called My Evil Mother. And it mm-hmm. was it was a free uh, read for Amazon customers. Um, and I have Kindle Unlimited, so I'm always reading something. And so I'm reading that short story at this moment. Awesome sauce. How is it? Are you liking it? I just started, so I don't want to form an opinion yet, but I'll have a follow-up in another review. All right, cool. Dana! I say, yeah, I just want to, I have to say to Marcy, when she said Margaret Atwood, I was I was thinking her next book would be like 2022 or it's happening now. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. I was like, oh Lord, but it's the year I write. So I was wondering what it was going to be. Or, the, or A Handmaid's <laughs> Tale, nonfiction. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So this one is a departure in that it is really a mother-daughter story. I can't say that. So it is a mother-daughter yeah. story about a mother who gets a prediction at a tarot reading. And so it's not connected to the Handmaid's Tale sagas in, in that way. Although it probably will address some of the same social type issues that she kind of addressed in that story. But this one is much more mother-daughter, which is why I guess it's being offered during the month of May. Okay. Awesome. I want to hear cool. about that when you're done, Marcy. Absolutely. And Dana, um, what are yes. you reading? And, <laughs> and me, it's just did... right in my mouth. <laughs> Hello, everybody. So the first thing I wanted to say is that y'all have heard me talk about reading Sherlock Holmes probably forever. I finally finished all 67 hours of that. So I'm not um, reading that anymore. But I am back to my Douglas, Preston, and Lincoln Child stuff. And so I am reading a book called Mount Dragon. And so kind of it's it's a little bit different from the Preston and Child stuff that I talked about previously because I was like really into the Pendergast series and of course I've read all 20 some of those books and I'm just waiting for another one to come out so this one is kind of a little different but they it's interesting because it's all about this it kind of reminds me of the whole thing we have going on uh, with COVID but basically it's about this disease that has gotten out that uh, or will get out and if it does get out it's going to be worse than the flu at the time I don't think they COVID didn't exist so it's interesting listening to this because it sounds like they're talking about COVID and it's like really happened so it's it's interesting to correlate it to like what's really happened Um, but it's a little bit of a departure from what I'm used to with them and that this takes place like in a lab underground all the stuff so it's a little different I'm not 100% sure if I'm sold on it but that is where I'm at right now and I think I'm not really sure how long it is. It's somewhere between 15 and 20 hours. So um, I'm listening to that. And that's oh, wow. all. Okay. Wow. I, I don't know how you do it because I tell you, any book that says COVID or virus or anything, you know, even though it's fiction, I've just been trying to stay away from. And 
I read one that talked about the pandemic recently, but it wasn't virus focused. So I was like, okay, I can, I can handle this, you know, but wow. <laughs> you got to let me know how that comes out. Will do. So now let's talk about you, the series. First of all, I wasn't sure if I wanted to really talk about this on the podcast because it's really not nerdy and it's really not romantic per se, or at least not the romance that you want to have in your life. <laughs> but Stacy mentioned, hey, should we talk about you on the podcast? And so I, I thought about it and I said, mm, I don't know. I don't know if my audience is really going to be down for this. And then I saw in a few Facebook groups and stuff on social media that people were talking about the series and people were talking about the books. And I thought, well, even though it's not really nerdy, it's not really romantic in in that sense, it's really a thriller, right? It's really more of a thriller, but it's in that whole domestic thriller kind of venue where it's about relationships so it's kind of hey i may not and it does center around love per se so it may be something of interest for a romance reader especially if you're like a romantic suspense reader because it, it has all those kinds of things in it but even though it's not in specifically in that genre, but we do read outside of our genres. And this may be something that may be a little bit outside of our genre, but also may be of interest. So I said, you know what, let's do an episode about you. And at that time, all three seasons had come out. And so I feel like, you know, we want to talk about all of those seasons maybe not season by season, but just kind of get a general feel of where it's going. But also for a couple of us, we've been reading the books. I definitely went into this reading the book first. The book hooked me. It had me a little bit unnerved for three or four days. I was like, nope, no social media, no, no, no connection whatsoever for a few days uh, after I read that book. But at the same time, you also feel conflicted because you're rooting for somebody who's basically a serial killer. <laughs> and you're like, I want him to rooting. find love. <laughs> Maybe not rooting for him, but, you know, it, it, you just, you feel conflicted. You're like, mm, I, I, you know, oh my. But yeah, it, it's a conflicting feeling. But before we get too much into Joe Goldberg, um, let's talk about how you found the series. What got you watching it in the beginning? How about we start with Marcy? I feel like I found out about it through this group, through word of mouth. And it was probably, no, actually, that's not true. I found out about it from Stacy because we ended up on a trip where we were watching some of the episodes together and that's kind of how I got involved and then we watched the first season and then after that I kind of started picking up watching the second and the third season by myself but the first season I actually um found out about from Stacy by word of mouth and and by watching it with her from there catching up and moving on with the rest of the series 
So, Stacy, how did you find out about it? Well, you know, Netflix will say recommend stuff. And because I watch stuff about romances and serial killers, I guess they thought, hey, this is the perfect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. But it came up on Netflix. And usually I'll, you know, if it's Netflix, I'm already paying for it. I'll watch episode one, two episodes or like, you know, the L5 podcast will watch a couple of episodes. Okay. To see if you like it. And I was like, okay, um, this is interesting. And I just kept watching it. I mean, it was just fascinating to me. But at the same time, I'm just like, I'm not sure how to, <laughs> as you said, conflicted. Yes. So I'm rooting for him. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, what? You're right. <laughs> and then and, um, as you watch it, and then, you know, like Marcy said, you see also people putting posting stuff out. And I'm seeing stuff as I watch it. I was someone will look at me like Joe looks at so-and-so. And I was like, do you really? Yeah, right. <laughs> have you have you seen what he does? I mean, it just became fascinating for me. And I mean, just to see the way he gets out of stuff, it's like this has this can only be TV or if y'all are reading the book from a book. Yeah. Cause how he's not gotten caught on anything so yeah. far is just. It to me is like the handmaiden's tale, the handmaid's tale. Mm-hmm. How she's all well there in season six and she has not had a finger cut off, or eye plucked out, <laughs> right? Nothing. <laughs> it's the same thing to me for him. He should have had something, should have come up somewhere on somebody's radar that hey, we need to put him in jail. Uh, but that's I just you know, really Netflix. I've never read the book, and really, I don't, I mean, I like the story. Uh, on TV, I like watching the Netflix show, but not enough to for me to go into reading the books. At least, let's say I'll say something different on this on this call or anything like this. Um, but other than that, right now I don't see myself reading the books. Yeah. But the show does keep my interest. Dana Pam, is that the same thing that we did? You all learn about this from Stacy? No, uh, uh-uh, because I read the book first. You read the book so first. So yes. I was anticipating the show, but I already knew about it. Um, because I read things like, what is it like Lane Morty, Moriarty and yeah, different Leanne things Moriarty, like, um, yeah. amazing Amy or uh, all that whole girl in the train kind of, yeah. I think Paula that, Hawkins, girl on the yeah, train, I gone think all girl, that yeah. made audible, probably recommend this to me. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's how I, I saw it. It's funny because you, I'm just thinking about what Stacey just said about how she doesn't know watching the show, whether it will make her want to watch the book I mean read the book but the thing I found about the book so I fell for Joe prior to the the show right I was excited mm-hmm. to see what how he'd be played out yeah um on Netflix but before that there's some a level of intimacy you get because I was listening to it an audiobook because yeah. Joe is talking to you yeah I, I wonder I don't know if that's enough to make you try it Stacy but there definitely it, it, it is different Having, yeah. especially because, you know, I, a lot of times I listen to it at night where I'm laying down, relaxed, you know, so Joe was having a conversation. He's telling me all this stuff. It's, when you say, and I know we'll probably talk about this later, being conflicted, I'm going to be honest. I really wasn't conflicted until somebody asked me or somebody mentioned about maybe you should be conflicted. Right. Then I realized, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, you're right. Even though I knew he was killing folks, obviously that's the prime part of this. Yeah. It didn't bother me. I wasn't like, oh my God, this man, he's, you know, a murderer. He's a stalker. You know, I guess I was like, he was bringing me along with him. And I guess I, I don't want to say I understood. I, I don't even think I thought that much about it. <laughs> like, you know, 
people do right. what has to be done. I don't know. Exactly, like, exactly. It, I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah, because it's like, you know, and I know we'll talk about this, like with Peach, for example, she was going to blow his whole cover. He, she had to die. So I didn't really, I really didn't wrap myself up into the fact that, oh my God, he's a serial killer or anything like that. Cause he was just bringing me along for the story. And I was just like, yeah, I get it. (laughs) Right. Right. He got on my nerves anyway. So I was (laughs) exactly pain. He did get on my nerves, but, but you know, she's pretty, but she did get on my nerves. She was just, yeah, she had to go. (laughs) <laughs> she did she had to go i mean to be honest all of them got on my nerves Beck yeah. got on my like so yeah. i don't think yeah, she did it bothered me that much when their story was over <laughs> right well, I, I, well how many like i know we were trying to at least i was trying to rewatch watch it instead of just doing an overview so i did rewatch season one and season two before this call I was able to finish those and uh-huh. i do have to admit once i Rewatched them. My feelings about some of the other characters was like all of them are awful. Season one, yeah. it's like Paco was the only exactly, exactly. Right. I think. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead and finish your Now finish up. No, I was just saying Paco to me was the only one that was like, oh my gosh, that that kid. And I think uh, was it Karen, his um girlfriend his rebound after yeah, that yeah and i was Karen. like those are two i guess innocent characters out of the whole right. thing that i didn't have any kind of negative reaction to or really Paco's the only one i actually felt simple for really yes. real simple for the other one girl i was like girl you should be you just need to be happy you out of that relationship because there's right. no that didn't come right. Right. you dodged the bullet friend you, you dodged, had, the, you bullet. dodged <laughs> the bullet i'm just like you dodged it so but other than that i like those are the only two people i I actually liked in the whole series once I got, you know, and I want to talk about this later about in season two about how they're playing those people that he's interacting with. So, but yeah. we had not gone to season two yet. So let me yeah. shut up for now. <laughs> Marcy, what were you going to say? I think I have to hold my comment till season two. Oh, okay. Because we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yvonne, well, I have to- I can yeah. go ahead and, and mention it real quick um, just about Paco as Stacy was talking about Paco because I did feel bad for him but I also felt like Joe was taking him into his world he's reading yes. all these different books and looking at all these different characters and he was getting all these ideas in the end when it got to the point where um, Ron the boy um, his mom's boyfriend I mean he hated him which rightfully so right but I could abusive. see from well, yeah, from all that happened with him, and then, of course, he's dying later, that I could see Paco turning into another Joe. And so I felt hard. I felt so bad for him mm-hmm. that he had this good, good guy, quote unquote, who was really there to try to help and support him. But he was pulling him into this whole nother life. And he's probably going to take that, you know, forward into his own life as he grows up. So that that made me sad. Yeah. I did think, oh, he might turn into another Joe. I want to say real quick, a disclaimer for me, because I read the books and watched the show, y'all, I may say stuff that's crossed over and jacked up, just call me out on it, only Mm -hmm. because there's, they go kind of all over the place in different ways, and I may be confused. So what I was going to say is I don't believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the whole Paco stuff was in the book. I don't remember the kid. Yeah, 
It was not in the book that I can remember. No, it wasn't. So that's interesting because it makes me then go back to Stacy's thing. So then who were any of the positive or innocent characters? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't well, know I if there were Karen but was also, in the book though. Karen well, okay, was so besides her. Yeah. Um, and the guy who worked in the bookstore. I don't think Karen, but she was in the bookstore. Well, book yeah, store. but I mean, oh, the other guy who worked book, in the yeah. bookstore. Yeah, the yeah, other guy, good. yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other guy. I don't remember his name. I don't yeah, and, but, and it's funny too, because I think if I remember correctly, in book, either it's book one or book two, the other guy who worked at the bookstore, he was not, he was not a nice person either, but he wasn't, you know, bad he was just like why am i he was just kind of like why am i in this bookstore and i ditto on what dana said about the books and the and the show right because uh and we were talking about this before the recording but book one and season one are pretty similar and that's probably because book one was out and you know and they had source material and they started it off and yeah so book one season one are pretty similar book two and season two are not they're sort of similar it it almost feels like they started season two halfway through book two because in book two he does not leave and go to LA until halfway through the book. And it's not for the same reason that he does on the show. And I, I yeah. feel like and for me, maybe season three is just, and book three are really different. I think for me, after Queen Sugar, I stopped depending on the book and the series to be anything alike. And so I think for me, that's not necessarily as important because I realized that to make something television worthy, a lot of times it's the concept that got sold. It's not every written word in the in the book. So I think for me, I'm okay if they diverge. I don't necessarily expect that anymore because in so many things, Game of Thrones, like I think by now we've all been thrown off by that's not how it was written. So I think I stopped depending on the two and I really do try to end up looking at things independently um just because there that that seems to be happening more and more these days that what you read is not what you see so i almost treat them as if they're not even the same product anymore and i was so, mean, sugar really was the one that really did it for me they yeah, but in that case i really thought that i mean off topic a little bit Queen Sugar, the show to me was better than the book. More interesting now, meaning. Now like, it was, oh, yeah. but it's not That's the book. Right. I mean, but it's nothing like the book. I mean, except but I think for, sometimes yeah. you feel a little, for the last name and the title. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of times it might feel a little bit different if you really enjoyed the book so much that you want to see it represented in the show. And then you can kind of get this. You might get disappointed depending on how they do that show. In this case, it's right. like, so wait, I don't, totally. but, I, but that's why I started separating them into two different yeah. products. And I just try to think of them not connected anymore. So I didn't care that they weren't connected. I'm just saying it's confusing. So, you know, because they're they're still connected enough that they're the same story. But when you change like little nuances in, I'm having to talk about, I'm, I'm going to get confused. But I think, I mean, I don't mind. Uh, here's my thing. I don't mind when the story doesn't follow what was written, but when it doesn't make any sense. So I'll give a, an example of something I was disappointed in. Well, Misery by Stephen King. So I read the book first and 
she does not hobble the guy just by hitting his foot. His foot right. is cut off. Exactly. <laughs> so, completely. completely. I don't know why in the movie, you know, and I don't know what it was rated back then a long time ago, but I don't I don't know why that choice was made. Like I'm I'm expecting to see some, you know. <laughs> so well, not everybody's bloodthirst is you. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> hey, but but to me, it made more sense because I felt like that would be a more permanent injury than basically what looked like the equivalent of him just having his his ankle broken. But I just so when it does that, when it makes a change, and I don't necessarily get it, and it doesn't make it better. Sometimes I may question that, but I really, I mean, end of the day, like I don't care. I, I I do wonder if they put some of this stuff in, like with Paco for Joe and stuff, to make him a more likable character. Maybe they thought he needed some redeeming qualities about him. So here he has somebody, you know, who's innocent. And he's caring about him, and in this case, he's not you know, killing somebody just because he loves them and can't have them or they get in the way of whoever he's stalking. But, you know, because this person is abusing this family. So, and if you it's see just, that he also did that in the other, uh, in another season with the girl. Yeah, oh, yeah. Was two of the, yeah. Right, that's yeah. where I was going. Yeah. I think they were, moving on. Oh, that's what I was saying. Yeah. I think so that's I think one of the things they do. trying to soften him a little exactly. bit. Exactly. They do that's that my hope. To, mm-hmm. to, to endear him to us as and to humanize him in the midst of all this other stuff. But look how he cares about children. Mm-hmm. Look oh, how yeah. he treats the vulnerable, yeah. the innocent. Um, and so I do think that they use that as a humanizing feature, Dana. I do. So yes. maybe in I mean, season three, same thing with uh, Henry, the, uh, his son. Yeah, exactly. And just, you know, in the end, you know, sending him and on to that couple, mm-hmm. you right. know, to give him a better life <laughs> than what he um, and love could have ever given him. But um, so, yeah, I guess it does kind of show that softer side or a caring side to him that um, kind of opens his character up a little bit more. I think yeah. that's what they do to try to do that. Com- Again, that conflict they were trying to say, do we want to root for him or not? It's you like by like doing him. those things, by making him yeah. like, oh, he's trying to do the right, the right thing, but just stuff comes in the way he's got to kill people. And it's like, no, I don't think that's how life works, but we're going to let you have it for this show so i mean we have i said paco and then we let our own ellie and they keep i'm just wondering in the book do they keep having him doing the flashbacks of when he was a kid on on, in the book do they actually do the flashbacks in the first book they did a lot of flashbacks because mr mooney had a lot bigger part you have to see his whole backstory to kind of understand why he made that cage and and all of that kind of stuff. He has a big part in that, um, definitely in the first book. You agree, Dana? Yeah, because I was going to ask, where do they, when do they talk about Joe having been in the cage? So is this, do they, they talk about the, the first one. They, they talk did, about so. the first one because they, they, yeah. they mention it because he talks about and has a flashback of being, being in that cage um, because of um, Mr. Mooney putting them in there. And, or was, Mo- them in and there. was he dead at that time? Like is in the show is, because I feel like in the book, Mooney was still alive because he bars his car. Yeah, some- yeah. Mooney was alive yeah. in the first alive. season. He was alive because he visits. He uh, takes, takes, was it Bet there to visit him? Okay. In the, so in I the agree. Movie. I, I, mean, I do feel like in the book, there was definitely more of him. Um, but don't ask me to tell you exactly what, when, and why because I don't know. But I do, I know, I do feel like he was a bigger character because I feel like in the show, it was just flashbacks that's why I asked if he was still alive in this show because I just felt like a lot of it was just 
I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest. You watched by the recently. end of it, he was a stroke. So when okay. he came to visit him, he couldn't talk or anything. So yeah. it was just, yeah. And also made him look to at least Beck sympathetic until you see what you know Mooney and all he's doing. But what he really he is. takes care right. of this. That's what he did Mr. No. Mooney is okay. <laughs> I was gonna say so. One of the things since we're talking about stuff, not when I found out that Joe was gonna have a baby and he was gonna move and live in suburbia or whatever, I was like, oh, this show is over. Like, because to me, I hate. I was like, it jumped the shark. This cannot. This cannot be Joe. Joe is not a family man. We are not settling down in the suburbs. This is not what we do, um, especially with a baby and all of this stuff. And I was really worried about where this series was going to end up. The same way I was, like, if, for anybody who's watched Dexter, when Dexter decided he was going to have a family and, and take on these kids, I was like, what? This is not who these characters are. And I have to give it up to Netflix and the writers and everybody because I felt like they actually brought it back home. I was so proud and I know I'm jumping all over the place but I was so proud at the end when Joe gave up the kid because I was like y'all we can't continue this route. And y'all heard me say it before it's like in The Walking Dead when they have babies or a baby you're not going to be able to keep that baby quiet. That baby is going to interfere with this whole story it has got to go or you're going to be making you know you're going to be faking it through and we're going to know this doesn't make any sense. So I was so I mean, happy let's when Joe let go of the child. The he is not a daddy. <laughs> exactly. Even with the children that he he quote unquote tries to rescue, he farms them off. Like he doesn't keep his kids <laughs> oh, with yeah. him. It's pretty clear <laughs> that he's not fully able to form the kind of attachment you need to be a full parent. So I too was glad to see that he wasn't going to drag his a child into that hiding and and turn it turn another child into another him so I, right. I was glad about that part mm-hmm. as well I was interested in how they were going to do suburbia I wasn't as as scared but I was interested to see but I'm gonna say that they I mean they tore that whole neighborhood up like they tore <laughs> I mean they two people move in with a with a baby and and it tear an entire community two threads in what uh, less than a year Henry didn't even make it to his first birthday so <laughs> that part was interesting like I mean if anyone could find the cracks in any relationship it was the two of them and they found a million and just devoured this whole I felt that's that's really what made me feel the worst was I mean these people were at least status quo before they got there but they blew up entire lives in but less you, than a year but when you look at Sherry and, and Carrie the couple those instigators I didn't how I felt about them I didn't really like them and then I felt like in the end they were trying to just make money after uh out of this whole mess of things that happened with them they were already messing up the neighborhood <laughs> and it was like when Joe and Love came in I mean yeah it kind of blew everything else up but they were already just nosy bodies in the I mean, way. they don't know about this, but they weren't, yeah. you know, dead and maimed and and <laughs> I and, got and divorced and missing. It was just and, influence. Um, they you were see influence what I'm saying? Like, they yeah, but it. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of we've all stopped skipped them a season two. I know that's what I thought. Oh. I'm sorry, Sarah, um, I knew I was joking. Yeah, <laughs> my bad. Well, I mean that's fine, but I'm just saying, like, one of the things I, that I really wanted to talk about was how when we finally see love, we find when he meets love. So the first season his whole thing was about Beck or Guinevere Beck and how you know she was just in a, not as messed up as him because she wasn't killing folk but 
she had her own issues too. And I think like if you see the show, he idealizes everybody he falls for. And we see in bet yeah. that he idealized everything, even though she lied about her her father. She she cheated. I mean, she did all this other stuff, and I'm not nothing that deserves what she, what happened to an end, but she wasn't perfect. And then we see love and we you know find out how love is. Uh, <laughs> how love is. Um, but <laughs> when he meets love, he idealizes her too. By the end of it, love is to me like a mirror back at him. I mean, it's just yeah. a female version of him. But how they played it off in the TV show is they make his kills seem justifiable and hers to be, she's crazy. She's crazy, yeah. And it's just, yeah. And I mean, they made all his like, oh yeah, he had to do this. You did not have to put people in cages. You did not have to kill these folks. You didn't have to do all that. But they made it so that he seems like the stable person, like he's all right, and she's just off the rails. And I mean, granted, she is, but so is he. But how they make it look, how they made him look sympathetic, and how, and I mean, how she wasn't. You know, her stuff was purely, she was killing people to be killing people. And I was like, mm, she was obsessive about him, like he'd be obsessive about her until she finds out that she is not his idealized version of who she thought it was. She was actually him. Okay, and I and think he, what that know. I think what that proves is what it proves about all of us as an audience. That in a relationship, one manic person, one one person is acceptable. But two people is more than any of us can stomach. And honestly, I feel like that's kind of what happened. Like everybody had, we had all, and we talked about it from the beginning, we had all managed to understand and wrap, and, 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 and wrap our minds around Joe. But what we couldn't do was wrap around two Joes. So there couldn't be Joe and Love doing the same thing and being the same person because that's more than we can we can stomach in life as well. And I think for him, you hit the nail on the head, Stacey. He needed someone. He idealized the women in his life as perfect as the good that he was not. So I think the minute he realized that love was not the good that he was trying, because he kept thinking that he found someone good enough he could change, like he would be better because she was better. But when she's psychotic too, what's the inspiration to change? And I think that's why he was so disenchanted by her is because he had put her on that pedestal. He had envisioned that she was the perfect woman that he could be better for. But then when she didn't need him to be better because she was quite unstable she herself. Understood, but she also is the only one who he didn't want to be understood. He, want, he didn't want to be understood. He wanted someone who would force him out of himself and I think that's the problem sometimes in relationships we want somebody who we can aspire to be better for instead of somebody who accepts us as we are in this moment because we don't either he was conflicted about his own self I think a lot of times he was trying not to be his worst self and so he was looking for someone who could inspire in him a continuous desire to be his best self and if your if your partner isn't that person and I'm not saying he's right Mm -hmm. He is crazy. But I think that's also part of why they didn't work and why he was so out of sorts when he realized that she was just as bad as he was. Because then who's going who's gonna to try to make us better for Henry? Like, and how long can I keep making myself better for Henry knowing that that's really who I am if she's not helping too? Like, who's left? So he wants a woman who's going to try to fix him. The one thing no, that we always not do- No, he never wanted them to fix him, but he wanted them to be someone he wanted to fix himself for. 
he needed so not a her goal. but him do right he needed to do it but he was doing it remember he kept saying i'm going to be better for you love mm-hmm. i'm going to move to the suburbs for you and for henry it was an, it was always that he needed Henrietta. someone yeah. i know right he, Henrietta, <laughs> so, whatever her name was gonna be he needed someone <laughs> to inspire him to to try to be different so when she wasn't that person then i think he was like and then after that she then complicated his life by being worse than him and not even being as experienced in covering things up so then so that's what i was gonna say did that not mess that up though Hmm? I thought she was sloppy, and and don't get yes. me wrong, oh, this really sloppy. And just, but that's I think the yeah. that bothered me the most. That was her sloppiness. Like, but I think she I could be. Jail. Well, I think <laughs> that's her privilege because she was she's been rich enough that hey, somebody's gonna cover up this mess. So, mm. I mean, she's been doing it because I mean, we we saw the flashbacks. She killed her brother, the babysitter. Ooh, yes. Right. Oh, yeah. Is, but right. she did. She started out that and they covered it up. And, you Which know, means it, she's been crazier longer than Joe, for what we know, because Joe was an adult. Like, I don't know how Joe was he an adult killed his, for his um, first dad or stepdad or whoever he did that. Oh, but I it, forgot to but help. But saying, you know, for his uh, mom, because it was, you know, abusive or whatever. But she also said the same thing that the woman was abusive was to her brother. I mean, her so, brother, yeah. to brother. So um, if we go back to what Marcy was talking about in terms of um, the women in his life that he, you know, wanted to be better for, when you look at it, it goes back to those two black women that was in his life, to me, are the only ones that really seem to be that example to him, but he didn't even stay with them. I don't think Joe can stay with anybody. I don't think there's any long-term relationship that's going to happen with Joe. Like, he is not going to be... Because as soon as they move to the suburbs, he sees some chick through the crack, and now he's obsessed with her. I don't think there's ever going to be somebody who is going to be the one for him, and that's just... Obsession is his life. That's what makes him tick, I feel like. That's what he needs. And so I don't feel like there's ever going to be a time... Yes. Yeah, I don't right. think it's, it's like what he wants you get it. gonna lose interest in it. Yeah. But I do think, Pam, you're yeah. right in that they were the two that were truly good in a way that like he didn't find out something terrible about them later. Like, remember how he felt mm-hmm. when he thought that the librarian was a bad mom? Like when he first started reading about her before he realized that it was a smear campaign by her husband? Yeah. Like exactly. remember how he 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 almost flipped on her, but then when he realized that she was really being taken advantage of. But so I think it's I think that they were just truly good people. Mm-hmm. And I think that he treated them the same way he treated the children. Like, right? Mm-hmm. Like I need to get them out of this, out of my life, gotcha. out of this fear, out of this muck and mire. But I think when he finds out that the women that he's chosen have a flaw in his mind, I think he's like, Well, you get what you get. Yeah. And I didn't mean to point out that both of the uh that Karen and Marianne were both <laughs> black women, but they were. Um, well, no, I mean, they were. They were, they were, they were, they were, were talking about. <laughs> they, they were, yeah, they were on this show in the yeah, book. Exactly, um, in, this case. in the yeah. book, Marianne is is actually Mary Kay, and she is not black. But yeah, yeah. okay, that's kind of cool. Okay, but it's funny because as just as I'm he- hearing it and thinking about, it, if he had stayed with either one of those, I probably would stop watching the show because I'm glad that they would have been happy and maybe things would have worked out. But I didn't want to see that. So again, like I just the way Joe is thriving on this, that's how I 
thrive on the show. I need him to be crazy. But I just think it was funny with Love. Like, Love actually physically upset me. Like, I wanted to choke her. Like, she was just, like, a character that... You've had characters where you know these people are acting. And all I can say is she did a fantastic job because in my mind, I was like, this is probably who she is in real life. Anyway, she just did such a good job, but I could not stand her. But if you ask me, and this goes back to the original question, Dana, how can you feel that way about her, but not Joe? I totally don't see that with Joe. Like I know mentally that, like I said earlier, that he's killing people. She's killing people. Neither one of them are good people for that. But I do not compare them to each other at all. So, yeah. and I think, you know, just like you were saying, how we look at stuff, we, 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 t- we're taking a side. We have to pick a side. Frankly, I knew Joe first. I know how his mind thinks in my mind anyway. And I feel him. I understand him. She just seemed like a crazy woman out of this. Like she just, she felt like the stalker that I guess I never really look at Joe as. He's just misunderstood. And this is why we have all these problems in the world. Cause somebody somewhere was like, no, he's just misunderstood. and then they go off and start murdering folks so you know i don't know and and it doesn't it doesn't really help that you know in the book you know he 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 does have this quality that makes him seem a little less crazy if you will and a little more endearing you know i i agree with jana as far as that book goes because he is kind of talking to you this is like the first chapter of the of book three and this is a advanced copy so this is probably not exactly how it is in the actual copy that went out but he says things like this I think you're the one I spoke to on the phone, the librarian with the voice so soft that I went out and bought myself a cashmere sweater, warm, safe. You called me three days ago to confirm my new job at Bainbridge Library. The call was meant to be short, perfunctory. You, Mary Kay DeMarco, branch manager, me, Joe Goldberg, volunteer. But there was chemistry. We had a couple of laughs. I mean, this is... (laughs) He, I mean, he's connected to me too much in this book, right? You know, it's you make me want to read it. Because reading it to me, I mean, hearing you say it's like one thing. If I was reading, I was like, you crazy ass. I mean, I know his voice. <laughs> Which is why I need to listen to the audio. That's why you need to listen to the audio. Yeah. Because I'm the best bet. Because if I was reading that, I was like, you are crazy. I thought the narrator and the guy in the show were the same person because they really do, to me anyway, sound similar. Like mm-hmm. to the point like oh, I'm not even, okay. But they are I'll two very they're two very different people. But his voice, the was gonna say, is so this is something that happens when you actually see your books come true. How you envision him in the book versus what he looks like when we actually see the net for the show. On the book, again, like you were just saying, how he's talking to you. He's attractive. And not in my mind, I'm like, oh, is he a hunky, you know, Hollywood movie star? He's a regular Joe. But I mean, he's just like, he's he's somebody, you know, you want to lean your head on his shoulder and just whatever. But the way he talks to you, I'm telling you, you have to listen to the audio. But I thought it was funny to see him in person because he looks like a plain old average guy you will walk past on your way to, you know, wherever you were going, bust up, whatever. And I like that. They did not go out of the way. So we're not liking Joe because of what he looks like at all. Like in my mind, anyway, I don't know how y'all feel. But in your you mind, like but you have now ticked off a lot of gossip girl, old school gossip girl. 
Why I'm was sorry I going that there? I, I was really going there. I loved him. I, 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 didn't say, I'm I didn't say he was ugly because he's not, but he does not look. He is. Hello. Have y'all, y'all saw him with his shirt off? Okay. Show me an ab. Like there was, it was just well, a very white well, man. For, for, me, for me, um, I will say I don't like hairy dudes. So. I don't either. Well, man, I think Dana's saying that too. I think Dana's saying that he's no, you know, uh, was it Chris Hemsworth? I mean, All he's right. not that yeah, kind he's of person. Cool. Okay, we got you. Know, yeah, he's super like so beautiful. He's nice, okay. but he's not, he's not like somebody cabo. I'm going to be we turning around like it. to see. Yeah, we get it. Right. He's, no, he's no Henry Cavill. He's no Thor. Yeah. But I yeah. like that because yeah. I felt like that, again, is how I felt with him in the book. I got to know Joe for who he is as a person. I sound crazy. But yeah, I just, so I was I was happy to see that they didn't try. In my mind, I didn't watch Gossip Girl. So y'all, he may have been real hot up there. I don't know. And again, he didn't look bad. He just looked like a regular person. Um, which is good. Which is, mm-hmm. you know, what I would want him to look. And I, I, that's how it was in the book. Like, I didn't they never made him seem super hunky or, you know, anything unrealistic at all in the book. So I just thought that was interesting. But you should listen to it. Yeah, you is narrated by Santino Fontana, who is not Penn Badgley, the actor. He's the guy from um, the show. I know you watched the show. Oh, my God. They were singing Girlfriend, uh, something Girlfriend. Yeah, because he played Greg, I think, in Girl Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Yes, oh. yes, I love that show. I don't know if y'all saw okay. that. Okay, no, no, oh, yeah, it was yeah, great. Yes, I'm gonna yes. look them up. It was on the CW. It was on the CW. Yeah, it was on the yes. CW. I've seen a couple of episodes. Yeah. Yes, I like. It. Okay, and a little bit off topic. One of the characters that I really liked on season two was I think you put in there Will Bellham. Bellheim, yes. Bellheim. I liked, and I probably because I like the actor because he played uh, the Penguin on Gotham. Yes. yes, he did, and he played um, that well. And he did, and so when I saw him, I was like, okay, but this whole therapy session, uh, while he was in the cage, I'm not. Did he do that in the book? I'm just wondering because I'm just how so, he. So in the book, there is no Will Bettelheim in the book, okay. as far as I can remember. Well, then I'm gonna say thank you to the writers in the writers' room because I agree with Stacy. I liked him. And I yes. liked him when he was in the box and I liked him when he called him as like a counselor and a friend. I liked yeah. that character. So I'm and glad I, that he got written in. And so I think it's the same thing. He's a Paco then, as in yep. one of trying to humanize him even more. Because I mean, he did it. They did it somewhat with Ellie, but I think with him, with um, Will and, and Paco, they did it to, to make him more human and sympathetic. At least to me, that's how it felt. Like how he's trying to yeah. figure a way to keep him alive or I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to kill him. I'm get all his stuff, you know, have him done. Although he did bring the, um, what was it? The um, contract killer. They will hear his will. You can have him. Right. Um, so he was willing to give him up. But, and I think with Ellie, once love killed her sister, it was th- it was less of a a positive vibe around her. Yeah, it was always compelled. estranged after that. Like there yeah. was a a distance, a disconnect there. So I think they they needed Will as someone that he had let go that was a success in in his own quote unquote decision making. And so mm-hmm. I think that because he couldn't save the sister, like that all was a crap show. 
Yeah, he just gave her some money. He felt so bad. Yeah, yeah, he He just gave her some money and said, "Go." (laughs) Yeah, but didn't he say that he was gonna keep sending money to her? Remember he did. So I think it really hurt him. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that he couldn't yeah. help her anymore. Yeah, and he took so every time he took a um a book job, then he would send that money to her. That's what that's the money he used to send to her. Um, I have a question. Maybe you all can help me with this. Um, and maybe I just fell asleep on a piece of this in <laughs> season one when, uh, of course, Beck dies close to the end. But then her book all of a sudden becomes a bestseller. Where did the book come from? Did he decide to publish the book, Joe? That is, yeah, yeah. yes, because he, yes, he, he, he put, put the, um, to, yeah, put the put the what, put it the uh, envelope into the post office thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, okay. I must have fell asleep on that piece. Sorry, but uh, you I was wondering. If I, I hadn't seen it. Yeah, I was just wondering where it came from. I mean, obviously, she wrote it while she was in the cage. But yeah, all of a sudden for it to become such a big uh, deal. And I guess it worked out well for him because he wanted to get Dr. Nikki out of the way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering how it happened. So that's helpful because I obviously missed that. Yeah. And Dr. Nikki, I didn't like him anyway, even though he was a very slim character in the midst of all of that. Yeah, but, um, mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. I didn't like him either. He seemed to be abusive as well. So to a degree. Right. Yeah, exactly. And for them to be a therapist, to be... Uh, yeah. Heal thyself. Mm, right. That was his way of giving her therapy. <laughs> oh, right. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Tell you about that therapy. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> we talked a lot about a lot of different things, but we talked a significant amount about Joe and, and how we feel about Joe. And I will say to just kind of cap that on the end for, for the book readers, I think that's, I think for us, that's kind of what in makes us kind of inoculated from the serial killer part of Joe is when we actually read the, the words and, and hear the words um, because there was a lot of talk in the writing world about, you know, this book being written in um, second person, which is not written in second person, it's written in first person. It's written in very, 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 very close first person because we are in his mind. But because you are in his mind, you kind of root for him. So does anybody have anything else they want to say about Joe specifically? Because now I want to talk about love and why we don't like love who we meet in season two. Joe is a quality man and anybody who has to be lucky. <laughs> Joe will stand tendencies. up for you. <laughs> <laughs> There's I didn't like his stock tendencies when he stopped back that whole time and yeah. had all Talk her stuff. Anybody, but I mean, so, so, in, so in the book, Pam, uh, in the book, that's that's the creepy. That is actually the creepier. Bro. That's creepier than um, him killing people in the yeah. book. Him doing that stalking. That is what creeped me out about. Because <laughs> I was like, I need to turn off all my social media. Of course, I okay. didn't last, but Change my passwords and everything. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that was the creepiest thing. And it looked like that pretty much. I got the same feeling when I was watching it that first season. That that was the, the creepiest thing. That he was, you know, stalking her like that. And But then, you know, you get into season two with Joe. And he's like, okay, I'm done with New York. I'm going to LA. Um, of course, like I said, book two is 
it's a whole different reason he's kind of forced to LA in a certain sense because he's actually trying to chase Amy Adams. What do we think about Joe in respect to love in season two? What do we think about that whole Joe love dynamic? First, I want to say I felt like love came with a lot of baggage. So I don't know if it was as evident in the in the show as the book, but like 40, her brother yeah. got on my last freaking nerves. Oh, he was oh yes. That was all. bad in both, like, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the the need that she had to be his protector through all of this. Like, I mean, I guess I could see how over time maybe love became who she is or who she was as a person in terms of her craziness. Because I don't know, like her, okay, so love's parents, and y'all again, correct me if I'm wrong, but they seem to like, I guess mom seemed to, I don't know, I imagine in my mind, because they had just growing up that they didn't have a close relationship so much with their parents. I mean, I know the mom seems to be pretty active now, I guess, but, and so I feel like love felt like she, I guess, was kind of parenting 40. I don't know if y'all felt that. I mean, I feel like she, they were twins and they say that, and it felt like she was parenting, but at the same time, I think a lot of it, she caused the problems with 40 by killing that woman. But and she then killed, her. I don't think but she she killed ever... her in his defense. I thought, well, no, she killed she him put in, the her, knife. in her perceived defense. What and she, she put the knife understand. in his hand. Exactly. So I think, <laughs> but I will say as a twin, I understand the protective nature, especially when they were younger. There is a different connection that you have to your twin that even siblings would often recognize. And I think that when they were younger and both immature, his pain was something that she felt almost as deeply. And she thought the only way to get him to not be in pain was to kill the lady. He not realizing that his heartbreak was just life. Like, right. That not, and not realizing that it wasn't abuse. It was heartbreak. I think she didn't understand their, the situation he had been in. And she didn't ask no questions first. She just went out and did what she thought would stop his pain. Unfortunately, it caused more pain for him and it caused a lot of guilt for him. And while she was able to just just chalk it all up to doing what she had to do, he was not able to chalk it up to that's life happens. (laughs) It just caused a spiral. So remind me, because I don't remember, guys. So he was in love with the babysitter or whatever. And he but, was still underage, so that's I, abuse. That's what I was getting ready to say. I thought he but was she, underage. But he was underage. He was underage, but he was he was in love with her. He had a crush on her. But would we and, have thought differently if, if he had been a girl? And was, I mean, yeah, because that's still I abuse. Would have, but, yeah, but, the that's but the difference is he had a perceived love for her, not that she was a predator. But all that love saw was that that she had taken advantage of her brother and she did but he did not perceive it that way and that's what love didn't understand at the time so when she killed her she didn't realize what that would do to him who by killing someone he had imagined that he loved right that didn't solve it for him it didn't by removing her from his life it didn't make it better for him it just made his life worse because they were both too immature and their parents were both too far removed to even notice any of it happening and then 
they tried to cover it all up and tried to force him to feel better and try to force her just not to say anything. And then they created a dynamic that years later had an addict and a, and a um, enabler growing up together and becoming more toxic by the year. And that's where they were when we met them. She was a chronic enabler and he was a spiraling addict. I mean, I still disagree about the whole, yeah, he might perceive it. I mean, he may perceive it love. That's again, is still abuse, but I'm I not do... saying it was a love story. I'm saying, he I'm, not therapy, saying I'm not saying and, that you're saying that they needed to, I'm saying that it should have been him getting therapy, her getting therapy, them working, working through all that had happened, became mom drinking more, dad being gone more and them raising themselves. Like I'm saying that it evolved, but I also think a lot of it just had to, to do with both of them being young when it happened. Because even at the end when he's drinking and telling his side of it, he's still saying, I loved her. No one ever gave him the chance to reconcile what had happened to him. Everybody just kept telling him to push it away, that not to think about it, not to whatever. And so they never gave him a chance to reconcile what happened to him. And I think that was what kept him in that spiral is because everybody made all these decisions. No one ever spoke to him. And then nobody got anybody any help after it all happened. They just told him the. the so I definitely feel on. like I agree that that was probably the spark. I just would be, and I don't think you're saying this, Marcy, but I, I just would be hesitant to, to be like, well, she started it. I mean, I guess technically, but that spark would have started regardless because either she would have left, somebody, the parents would have killed her, she would have gone to jail. Something, he was Heartbreak was his future with her. It was not. Oh, I agree. I think but the therapy should have followed the heartbreak. But I think the follow up is the problem. Well, I like think the, what the fact that, that she was, was that she killed the lady mm-hmm. and put mm-hmm. the knife in his head to make him right. think his hand. he killed her. He did it. That exactly. Makes, but cause that's that's that to me reminds of um who was it, Maya Angelou who said who was abused and then when she spoke about the per that abuser died or killed and she quit talking, that put what happened to him puts me in mind of that. Yeah, that was right. Maya that's what Angela. I'm saying. And they never, yeah. they never got him any therapy. They never, all they yeah. did was the mama started drinking more. The daddy started being away more. And they expected those kids to somehow heal themselves. Yeah. And what happened instead was she became an enabler and mm-hmm. he became an addict. And then they grew up in those roles in this bigger family structure until it was nothing but toxic. Yeah. And then Joe walks into this. Ah, he any other any other family would have probably been better than this one. Oh yeah, there's a lot to exactly. <laughs> and I feel like in the book the forty was even worse. Thank you. Oh yeah. He oh my was, god, he, he was, was totally worse. worse. I, yeah. How did he yeah. make him like, worse? Oh, good Lord. Yes. He was. he was annoying to me as somebody who was just reading the book. Like he got on my he got on my nerves. Especially I like how he was even down to, and I don't again, I don't know how often he said this, but that old sport was in the book like 999. Right, times. exactly. Yeah. And it, it just really like that's what it is stand out things that stands out to me from the book is how many times literally it was in there so much. I was like, okay, from my author's perspective, this is too much. Like, we get it. <laughs> like, please stop doing this. And then was- too, you know, you see that enabler kind of thing going on with love in the show but in the book she's annoyed as well as enabling so that kind of heats it on because oh yeah that comes you know they they have in the book they have like this whole summer or whatever and and love is like torn between 
you know, having to go to Vegas or whatever and drag Drunk 40 out and actually spending time with Joe, who she actually, you know, said, you know, she's in love with and all this other kind of stuff. So it just kind of, as you're reading, kind of heaps it on. We see in the show, Joe is drugged and, you know, in one of 40 shenanigans, but in the book, he's in a couple of, of short uh, 40 shenanigans, you know, 40 does a couple of things and Joe is like, okay, I'm gonna have to deal with this kind of thing. So it ups the whole 40 being annoying kind of thing. And he definitely was. I mean, he was a yeah. child. I, yeah, he was. He, I, you know, you don't all, ever want to be in a movie and be like, I hate to say this, but it might be better that he was gone. I mean, but at one moment I was like, whew. Because the emotional journey he was taking us on, I feel like sometimes that was even more traumatic than what Joe was taking us through. And I don't know if it was because it was different or I was just used to Joe's crazy by then and this whole different crazy was too much. But it was a lot of, I think all three of them in that one season was a lot. Yes. It was a lot. When we but talk about it is in the book too yeah yeah but at the end he spoke the 40 did speak the truth he was like you don't need to be a mother i mean he i mean at the end you saw that he did understand more than we thought he was seeing because he kind of intimate, he, yeah. uh, he actually kind of said that i i realized now that you killed her not me i may have been the cause of her death because of you but i didn't kill that kill her myself that you know that girlfriend uh, that babysitter but um right. That whole thing, you say, why are you trying to bring a child into this shit show that we have that we call a family? Because he was real. And what you talk about, you know, the mom, the dad, love, Joe, he's like, why? There's no way none of these people are going to be good parents. Even at the end, well, at the end, he did have some clarity, even though for most of it, except for that part, the end, he was awful. But at the end, it's like, well, he was awful, but he at least saw what was right on the wall when it came to, should you bring a child into this? Yeah. He's like, no. Which yeah. makes it even I more ridiculous <laughs> that she then goes on to name the child after him. And I couldn't tell if that was a tribute or an insult because Lord knows he wouldn't have wanted it to be named after him. Right. Or maybe just her still feel being enabling, you know, she couldn't let him go. She could not, as much as yeah. she, as much as havoc as he caused, she could not let him go. And I think that's, that's. Well, it, I, well you were just talking about the relationship between uh, Joe and Love. You were asking at the beginning uh, at yeah. this next piece. It felt like the whole time Love was just forcing people to love her. I mean, and I even wondered if Joe really loved her or was it just because of the way she was almost manipulating him and she's done that with so many people that it was like i'm gonna force you to love me you're gonna love me right and i think that just also played into the craziness that was in her like and because it, it wasn't it didn't turn out the way she thought it was going to turn out i was just wondering the other piece that was missing um i know in the show they briefly talked about, was it her ex, the one who was sick or something? I don't know if y'all remember yeah, that. Her yeah, husband, yeah. who had the passed. Husband, yeah. Her mm -hmm. husband, yeah. And that she killed? Hey, did mm -hmm. she kill him? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he was going to leave her because she was her crazy. Project, yeah. And she, was for, she wanted to force him to love her too. It's just, she had that twisted mindset. So I don't know if Joe really loved her or if it, it just was that she was going to force him to love her. 
I don't. But at the I same time, he he does the same thing in a way, trying to be the perfect boyfriend to make people fall in love with him. Absolutely, right. Absolutely. So, I mean, they do, they're doing the same thing, just different ways, and we we tend to prove his way more than hers. But they are doing the same thing. Now, I always and, thought uh, that yeah. he loved the idea of her. <laughs> I don't think he loved her. I think he loved the idealized version of her he had in his mind. Yeah. I do think she toxically toxically loved him because she saw in him a mirror to herself and I think she thought in her mind if he sees that I'm just like him then he'll love me because he'll know that I understand him the one piece she miscalculated was that he didn't he wouldn't want that version of her and I think that's really what what devastated her was when he didn't want the real version of love he wanted the idealized version that she had sold to him and a little bit off topic, but when you talked about the baby hearing, they call him 40. When I was watching the show, um, the mom says, oh, yes. And my whatever she went to shop said he was the reincarnation of 40. And I was like, oh, God, 40. I'm sorry. They just sent you back to hell. It was just awful. That, right. that was really exactly. the reincarnated 40. They sent you right back. Even he like, didn't want that. that was a, yeah. Even he wouldn't have wanted that. He was like, please don't. That's why he's crying right. all the time. <laughs> exactly. Right. Every time Joe picked him up. Well, I think, I think babies can ten- can sense when you're tense around them, and since he was still conflicted as a did he did he want a son when he had been expecting a daughter? How was he like he? I think babies can sense that when you touch them, and the baby was like, that "Oh, I'm not for this." Yeah, <laughs> and that you might not like them either. Yeah. Well, here's a question: Do we think Mama like? the baby that much or was it just a way to get joe to stay i think no, it was a way to get the, joe to stay because i, mean, I, I think didn't feel really too much motherliness said, it, i right. think it was part of her, her i want to have my family thing and that was it because she said she didn't she used protection with whoever that guy was because she, she said that so that means she wasn't using anyone with joe and i think when she realized that's the man she wants i think you know that was part of her to me her part of her plan for their family she wanted a family with him or one a relationship with him with and him. i think that's part of it was was that since she stalked him as much as he stalked her and i think she was see see how he was acting with ellie and those kind of things and she's like hey i can get him with this might be my thing my um ace in the hole for him part of me thinks she was trying to with the baby have the kind of love she thought she deserved from her parents so part of me thought that maybe she did love the baby as more Not than that she time. loves the baby i thought but, she loved the baby i'm just saying she the point of her getting pregnant was part of it she wants that perfect that family that she was missing and so yeah i think she loved the baby but i thought also like having that relationship with joe she thought perfect world scenario and the same thing with initially i mean she loved the baby but i think she also thought motherhood was going to be what she talked about in the show cracked nipples and not sleeping in a colicky baby i don't think she was expecting all that she was thinking rainbows and sunshine instead of what she was actually getting but I still think she loved the child. I just don't think she was hoping for Joe being this excellent father who immediately was attached to the baby and she didn't have to worry about any of the, the negative effects of just having a baby. Yeah. And so I think she was disappointed by it. I don't think she didn't li- not love the child. I just don't. She just had a higher expectation of what motherhood was going to be in her mind when the before the baby was born. I just kind of felt like the baby was just another way of her to try to control Joe and manipulate him. I just... I, mean, I think that too, but I don't think that, was, that she loved the baby, but still, I mean, it was a good she thing. like was. I felt I don't know. The baby felt like a pawn, just 
Aren't they all? No, kidding. Oh, wow. <laughs> we do love children, everybody. We do love children. I want to say that. I beg to I'm kidding. But, My child like, doesn't hear this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please don't let your child hear this. Please. We love children. We do. We promise. We really but, do. Stacey kind of brings up an, an interesting point, which segues into, to, for me, into season three, is that Love had this picture of family and wanted this family, hence why I think they moved out into this suburban small town that we see in season three. And you have this kind of idealized, you know, picturesque kind of thing happening at the end of season two. And so... You know, we know that they're going to the suburbs, actually get to season three and this idealized picture in this small town. And we come across these rather crazy, messed up people. A little bit, I had a flashback of Mean Girls when I when I met Sherry <laughs> or when we first saw, you know, the Conrads. You know, you just kind of feel like, okay, this is not as idealized as you thought. So season three, the town of season three, the people in season three, what did y'all think about that? No, I was just going to say that I liked it. Like, I I mean, again, like I said earlier, I was concerned about how this was going to play out. And so I feel like the way they did it and the way they wrapped it up, I mean, just an overall thought, I thought it was good. We're back to the Joe that I met initially and I'm excited to see like where he's going to go from that in terms of did you say her name was Sherry the married couple yes and Sherry Florissa. and Carrie Carrie is Carrie, the guy they were comic relief for me in the show they were funny so that's kind of especially when they got locked up together yes in the cage you know I you really see their relationship in its truest form right so I felt like their whole well let me not say whole but a big part of their role to me just in the show is just comment really are they in book three or anything no okay they're they're not in book three in that sense they um the characters are named Melanda and Seamus and actually they're not they're not like that uh Melanda is very much a, a mean girl like Sherry, you know, kind of like, but she's more so like an influence. So you kind of get that Peach Salinger feeling okay. from Melanda in the book. And then Seamus is, um, yes, yeah, Seamus is bad. <laughs> and and uh, unfortunately, they both end up dead in the book. But um uh, unlike Sherry and Carrie, who almost <laughs> killed each other, it seemed like, but but <laughs> ended up surviving. Look, but, but, um, um, on the outside, uh, you would think that they were probably as fake as, as nails, uh, as in press-ons. But yeah. at the same time, but once they got into that cage, you're right. It's like <laughs> their true selves kind of surfaced and you saw the dysfunction right. between the two. Right. They're, they're survivalist selves and their whole dynamic. And it's like, 
Okay, we see why you bring other people into your open relationship. <laughs> right, because it was yeah. almost like they hadn't had a conversation in, in 15 years. I mean, because they really didn't know the core of each other anymore. Like, they were, it, right. they only had been sending their representatives to dinner for the last 10 years. Like, had to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially Sherry, because she was real. Like, you could, I mean, her persona versus who she was when it came down to kill or be killed she was sending her representative everywhere but her real self was i think was somebody i could have liked i just didn't meet her until i let until i already disliked her but um right <laughs> yeah, exactly i think in the neighborhood and in all the relationships like i said i think it was fun to see just how much havoc one couple could wreck on the neighborhood that and and i agree they probably were dysfunctional before they got there but nobody was dead <laughs> and i feel like that right. counts for something yeah, nobody was there. But nobody yeah, there. imagine in the book, Joe wreaks all of that havoc in the book because love is not actually there in in the in book three. But he, he wreaks all kinds of other havoc. Um but the whole small town dynamic, I agree with Dana and and when I saw that the book was going that way too, I was like, Now how are you gonna do this? Th- this can't happen to Joe because I just don't see him settling down. And even in the book, he did not actually, he didn't have the child in the book. Love had the child and they were keeping the child away from Joe. It was kind of a blackmail kind of situation. And what he did was he moved so he could try to, you know, make a home for the kid. And I was thinking, this is really not going to work out for Joe. And in the show, uh, when he meets Marianne, the librarian and I'm thinking, oh, this is really not going to work out. All these people have kids. You know, this is small town suburbia and and people are just being killed left and right. And I, I'm like, you know, Joe's going to jail. I mean, in this show, <laughs> Joe's going to jail. And then somehow, you know, with all of the with that, the finale was amazing. I'm like, that was some craziness. That was that was some crazy, amazing stuff. I was just like, my mouth was just open the whole time. It seemed like at the very end, like when they had their dinner, you know, and blew up everything. It was like, my mouth was just like open. But yeah, I was like, this whole small town thing, it, it was kind of comic relief to a certain extent. To, and it kind of dulled the whole killing part a little bit for me. It was almost like this is sort of becoming a farce a little bit. But then, you know, some of the more serious things started coming out in the end, especially with Sherry, like you were saying, Pam, with Sherry and Carrie and the cage and Marcy, you know, and, and their whole showing their whole dynamic and their whole dysfunction, you know, coming out. And then the dysfunction that's happening in love and Joe's life and there's that whole throwaway plot with love and the neighbor kid Theo. Right, that was mm-hmm. oh, that was weird. That but was again, they had already destroyed that household. Did they need to do it to everybody? I mean, it was right just... exactly because and the, she was doing the you, husband was all to, messed up, y'all. I guess I mean, for the ending though, you had to get the father, the stepfather involved, so you had to figure out their relationship. But then he really did love his stepson and blah 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 blah. So I guess you really did have to to try to get there because you needed the stepfather 
to be because he's the one that found Joe. Like you needed yeah. that dynamic, I guess. Whole but I feel like we could have got there without yeah. without some more pedophilia in life. But you know, um she became the um babysitter basically. Right. She became that's exactly right. what I was about to say, Stacey. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. It was really it was really odd. And and but she didn't see anything wrong with it. It was very but I would like to go back yeah. to Sherry and Care for just a minute and say that I honestly feel like if those scenes in with them in the in that in the box had been in any other show but this one, somebody would have got an Emmy nomination for for that acting. Especially Sherry, I thought she was really good, and I really those are the moments where I forgot how ridiculous everything else was they because were, she really. Yeah. And so I really feel like we just I just needed to call out those scenes were so brilliantly acted in the box that I I just had to call that out because it uh, the rest of it does seem over the top but those moments were flawless like those were really dramatic well acted and I think they they should get some credit in the rest of these shenanigans for being real really really strong acting that carried some of the other more less believable pieces when you first meet them they come across as a farce you know, to me, or like I was saying, Mean Girls. They just they just come across as these are caricature over the top people, and then the whole scene where they are where they end up before they end up in the box. You know, the whole supposed to be group sex scene thing where there's, I mean, that was just ridiculous over the top, and it's just like okay, these people are just straight ridiculous here. I think I'm supposed to be laughing, but I'm kind of disgusted at the same time. It's like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. But you're right. When they get into that, into the box and they start breaking down and their relationship starts becoming stripped bare, that, that's some good TV right there. And they, you're right. They did act that really well. I was like, because at that point, if you were in that situation, this is like the level that this is what would happen. You feel like this is what would happen. It's just like so very real watching them go through that. They should get a spinoff show. A spin- they should get a spinoff show? Yeah. Yeah, I, would, I, would, I think I would be interested to see where they go from here. I, I agree, yeah. Dane. So I would be interested to see where they go too. Like I said, I mean, the acting was was really good and their dynamic was pretty interesting i'd like to see like dana said how do you rebuild from those truths in that moment yeah i think that would be a really a really good show mm-hmm. i do yeah yeah write it yvonne oh boy <laughs> uh, like we said there are differences between books and screenplays and you know I'm, I'm not necessarily a screenwriter although that you know that is something that I've thought about but so there's one other character let's just talk love interest in general for a second so we've already talked about love do we have anything to say about Beck other than she's annoying us sometimes we first, I mean, they first tried to play her initially, I guess, as sympathetic in a way. But then the more we delve into her, you see that she's just, I mean, she's not a, I mean, a great person. I mean, she's not anyone that I would admire, you know, I mean, he, she right. lied about her dad being um, dead. She did cheat on, I don't say I, got, I love Joe, but he, she did cheat on him with the doctor. She did. Um, but at the same time, she was being manipulated by Peach. Yeah, and falling for it. I mean, I'm. It's, I have mixed feelings about her. I just, 
I mean, I was, yeah. but I guess it's more mixed feelings for her than love. Who I was like, good grief! Out of all the three, the love interest, I like the last one better, the librarian. So that's Marianne. So that's Marianne. the, that's the, the, one I the last love really interest. And so what we see kind of at the end is Marianne, she's gone to Paris and we see that Joe is following. So what do we think about that relationship, about the Marianne-Joe relationship? It's not going to last. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly thought about that. That if um the, if another season comes up that we're gonna see him by himself in some bookstore and we're not gonna hear from her about her again. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I just never thought that that would even manifest to anything. But I'm really glad that actress because I liked her in um Sabrina the Teenage Sabrina. Witch. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, she was in that. Okay, she was in that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Prove but- it. Um, so, so yeah, so Marianne, I think with, with Marianne, um, just like kind of in that third book with Mary Kay, you know, she's just a little bit different kind of person for Joe. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm having a hard time. I like her for him, but I don't like the fact that he likes her because I know who he is. You know what I'm saying? I just she didn't need to be caught up in any more drama. She had had enough with the ex-husband. So mm-hmm. I just didn't, yeah. you know, I was kind of glad when, you know, she went on on her way. Right. But when it, we first know, meet these free. women, I mean, I I I don't know. I, I expect to find out more about her and she's not as likable maybe as a character because that's how I feel like all his girlfriends have been. Like at first we don't really know them. They just say, Oh, she likes books. That's nice. And, and then, you know, we may think they're okay, but then we realize, oh, you're not a good person either. Right. So I don't, I, I don't expect her to stay that way, I guess. You know, and there were some times, I, I don't know, I don't want to say that I felt she was needy, but sometimes there were things about her that I just felt, ugh, girl, can't you t- deal with this, take care of it, this whiny, I don't know what it was. It was just something about it. And that just, you know, I don't know if that's going to play out and be something later. I don't know. But I didn't think, you know, she was that great either. <laughs> so... You know, and maybe these are just human traits. Nobody's perfect. So she's definitely not on right. love or Beck scale. But there were she was a little bit whiny to me at times. And I just felt like I needed her to, to man up and handle her situation. Well, so, at least I, okay. I saw some of that. But Stacy, Well, I mean, I think, I mean, we don't want a perfect, there's not going to be anyone who's perfect. Right. But at least to me, she didn't have like, okay, red, she didn't have as well, she did have a red flag, her husband, um, her ex-husband, but I mean, the other ones had like red flag, red flag, she lied about, she made her dad die, you know. But I wonder um, if we're just not getting to her red, that's Maybe we haven't like, gotten to her yet. stuff yet, but, but I'm at this point, I didn't see there was, I mean, she did own up to that, she was on drugs for a bit, and then she got off and turned her life around. So I think it did show that she did have issues and then that she did make changes to her life, that she is improving herself or trying to improve herself. And maybe that's the same thing they're trying, they did like for Joe kind of a thing is just making her more sympathetic in that way that we saw that she's not a perfect person. And he saw that she wasn't a perfect person, but at least she's trying to make a better life for herself and her child versus 
I'm going to kill my way out of this situation. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So um, we talked a lot about this show, y'all. A lot about this show. I mean, it does have three seasons and there is a lot going on in each of these seasons. There are a lot of things happening. To wrap it up, what do we give this se- these seasons or this series you what kind of rating do we give it and will we watch season four whenever that happens so our goodreads rating system even though we know it's for books we're going to use it for this one star we didn't like it two stars it was okay three stars we liked it four stars we really liked it, or five stars, it was amazing. Stacy, your mic is open, so you go first. Oh, I'm, oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, I would say four stars. I mean, I'm not saying that five stars is like what is amazing. It was amazing, yes. I wouldn't say it was amazing, but four stars because I, I wanted to see the next season. I'm not saying that I want, I'm not sure how this, the fourth season could go because how the third one ended. And I'm not sure how they're gonna do that. If did the, was it renewed for a fourth season? Did are we sure? Did they say? I will look but, that um, up, but I am not sure. But um, I would say at least, at the very least, four stars. Okay, what do we think? Star rating, Pam. <laughs> Before this week, I probably would have said a four. I'm probably now a three that I liked it but I'm really the only piece I'm torn about is how much I enjoyed it but then also just thinking about how reality is and how there's so much yeah uh, killing and everything and the one that hits me the closest right now is pastor that um, here in Atlanta that got killed she was helping out a gentleman helping like counseling him or supporting him and he stabbed her to death took her body in her van and burned her to death and just left her Oh when I gosh. hear crazy stuff like that, it makes me, you know, look back and say, you know what, Pam, this stuff is real. I mean, I know that you was a was not real, but for me to just kind of fall into that and love it like that really bothers me to a degree. So yeah. I'm going to stick with a three. I did like it. Makes okay. me nervous, but I did like it. Right. Okay. Marcy, how about you? So I did check and yes, there will be a U season four and the filming has already started for that season. So yes, there will be a season four of you. As for my rating, I would give it a four. I did really like it. I did want to see the next episode um, when it was running. And I am interested to see what season four is going to do. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a strong four. All right, Dana. Well, now that Pam has said what she's Oh my. Don't listen to me. That's, that's, that's my girl. That is Pam's rating. Like, oh. <laughs> I, I would just be honest, and Stacey probably knows this just from our podcast for movies, but I like, I see this stuff as pure entertainment. It takes me away from the real things that are going on in the world. So while I may joke about stuff, I am aware that there are real things going on in the world and horrible things going on to people in the world. But honestly, when I set this aside and don't think about that, and I'm just focusing on what I'm watching and, you know, what I think is interesting or entertainment, I mean, I would give this a four. I'm, I'm very much entertained by it because, but solely because I don't think about it being real. Real world at this point, there's no way Joe would just have gotten away with, you know, a couple scrapes, a few toes, missing a finger or whatever. Like, you know, I, I, I'm aware that this is fictitious. So I just looking at it like that from an entertainment perspective, I would give it a four. But again, I will say at least for the, the first book, it may be worth just listening to having him talk to you 
so you can like really because I wonder if how people's perspectives would change if you had that more intimate feeling of having him talking with you versus just watching it on the screen um but yeah I mean I, I would give it four I'm definitely gonna watch season four to see where it goes but again it can't be a long lasting love and relationship you know right where's the fun in that so yeah. <laughs> right exactly. and i and i would okay, also that's like cool. to that's cool i like i that. would also <laughs> like to put that caveat in there that my my rating is from an entertainment perspective not not a reflection of reality but if in terms of entertainment value i give it a four all right so we've got ratings here i'm gonna give it a i'm gonna actually give it a four because i think i thought that it was entertaining i like the layers of story that happens but also because, well, hopefully not, we'll, <laughs> won't see love anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, Wait, it's funny I'm, you mention that. Yeah. There's a fan somewhere that has a, a, a screen yes. picture of just you know, outside the yes. restaurant or whatever. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. It was like, mm-hmm. is this love? No. It's dang no. love. It better not be love. It better no. not be. Right. Exactly. Love is it dead. better not be. <laughs> But we're so not, yeah, say. we're not going to give into that. We're not going to give into that. I'm going to come off saying, like, see, you've already, but you've already dragged up an old girlfriend who was dead and brought her back. I don't think you can keep doing this in every season. Right, exactly. I mean, because now I'm going to start believing that nobody he kills is actually dead anymore and that he's not even a murderer. Exactly. She's not human. Yeah. That's, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. But yeah, other than that, I'm, Excited to see what happens with season four, especially considering that right now there is no book four. So it's like, I, I don't know if there will be a book four at that time, but it'll be it'll be interesting. And I can kind of let go a little bit and see kind of where they go. I have a little bit more separation and anxiety than Marcy does about about books slash TV slash movie kinds of things. It's entertaining in general and um and yes i agree you do have to kind of divorce that that realistic moral part of you to be entertained in this i thought it was pretty entertaining and um it's an interesting kind of concept and no it's not nerdy no it's not romantic but it's an interesting relationship dynamic that goes on in in all of these seasons that I'm just like, wow, really? That kind of keeps me watching. Dana, Marcy, Pam, Stacy, thank you so much for talking with me about you and for convincing me because I I think it was really Stacy who kind of convinced me, hey, you might want to do this. But for convincing me to do this podcast episode, because it was really interesting. It was a really fun chat. So thank you all for being here. Thank you for having us. Our next episode will be to be determined. So subscribe to get that next episode whenever it drops. It will be something nerdy or something romantic because you is still filming. So (laughs) we want to see you there. So that's all for this episode. We've got a new website at nerdyromanticspodcast.com. But don't fear, all of our episodes and their show notes are on our new website.
While you're there, please consider donating to our podcast with the donate button at the top right hand corner or the buy me a coffee button on the show notes for each episode. Your donations go straight to keeping this podcast on the air and keeping all of our episodes out there for you to listen to whenever you want to. If you want to get our show notes in your inbox, please consider signing up for our Nerdy Romantics newsletter. The sign-up form is at the bottom of each page on our new website. Thank you for listening. Star date, not too distant future. Brandon is a diehard Trekkie. He's watched every Star Trek franchise episode multiple times. He has several cosplay and collectible uniforms in his closet. Commander Will Riker is his favorite cosplay character, and he's been to dozens of conventions. But he's never met or gotten in a fight with another Trekkie like Phoenix. Phoenix is looking forward to her first Star Trek convention until she meets Brandon. He's nothing like the Riker character she loves to hate. He's combative, socially awkward, and off-putting. But he's so adorable. Phoenix and Brandon keep running into each other, each time more heated than the next. With three days of convention to get through, will they get past the hostility and find what they know is there? Attraction and perhaps love? This is the premise of Stardate, a free e-story for my newsletter subscribers, available on February 1st. If you like Trekkie romance, romantic comedy, or just like to see a little grumpy sunshine trope, this story is for you. Go to ymnelson.com backslash subscribe and get your free copy.